Wow, grab a seat. Welcome from all of our campuses. It was so good to watch students at every stage and all of our platforms last week celebrate Infusion. It was absolutely great. So Campbell, great to see you guys. North Knoxville, thrilled, blunt, God is at work. Anderson, our Pellissippi campus, internet campus. By the way, last weekend, just 500 greater than any attendance record we've ever had. 7,500 in worship last weekend. <laughs> Glorious, wonderful. By the way, our God behind bars, guys, we are so excited that you guys are with us. Last weekend, amen, come on. Last weekend, 30 men gave their heart to Jesus at our God behind bars campus. And guys, let me say something to you guys at, at, at Bledsoe. We love you. We are so honored to be with you. But many of you guys are there right now because of the spirit of poverty that drove you to do some things. And you are going to be delivered even in this series. And you're going to learn. And when you get out, we're going to help you. We're going to let you get connected. And we believe that when you come out, you, you are going to live a life you never dreamed was possible because that's what our God. So we love you guys. We're praying for you men over there. Thrilled you're with us. By the way, Fusion, again, last weekend, Pastor Zach killed the message. Our global team, our team at all of our campuses, unbelievable. Over 1,200 students and workers last weekend. Well over 100 gave their heart to Jesus. 75 were baptized last week. And so very exciting. Man, thrilling, by the way. Can you imagine some of you guys my age or near my age? If you, especially some of you that walked sort of through some hell like I walked through, wouldn't your life would have been different if you cut out a fusion when you were 14 or 15? You say, why didn't I? Because it wasn't invented back then. Churches didn't do what we do today. Matter of fact, lots still don't do what we do today. And, uh, but we're committed to raising up the next generation of soldiers for the kingdom of God that will not be wimps or wusses, but warriors for Jesus. So as we roll on, again, you got a great introduction last weekend with Pastor Zach. Hello from the other side. I want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, how many of you believe that God can bless your life? You believe that? Come on. All right. Now, we're going to deal with one of the number one hindrances to the blessing and favor of God in your life. So let me ask you another question. Do you believe that God can break the spirit and or the cycle of poverty that may be in you and rules in this Appalachian region. Can God do it? Yeah. All right, so we're going to release that. Now, many of you have never even heard a spirit of poverty. You've never, it's been the last two or three years that I've been studying and thinking about that and praying through that and, and learned about our region. And so it began to drive me to do some study. And, and because it's a new concept and, and it's hard to sort of wrap your hands around, even though Pastor Zach sort of began to unpack it for us last week, and we're going to, Ephesians says, expose the works of the enemy. We're going to expose it to a greater level this weekend, but one of the ways I thought would help all of us get our minds around it, ask one of our campus pastors, Matt Grimes, to, to take it a little bit and share his personal story. Matt and Carmen crushing it at our Blount County campus. They're just exploding, but, but Matt didn't grow up in the Appalachian region, but he grew up in L.A., which is lower Alabama. And there's the spirit of poverty in Lower Alabama, if you've ever been there. So, Matt, welcome, Matt, to the stage. Come on, Matt, come and share this weekend, my brother. So, love you, man. Love you, too. Thanks, Pastor. 
You know, it's an honor uh, to be able to be here this morning and kind of share my story with you of where God has brought me. Um, and I've had the privilege of speaking on uh, these financial weekends before and talking about uh, how you get out of debt, talking about how you build financial margin in your life. And so I'm sure if you've been a part of any of those sermons, uh, you're looking at me going, what in the world do you know about poverty? What do you know about being poor? Because uh, from what I hear, you're not there. And what I would challenge you with uh, is this is that where I am today has not always been my life. The circumstances and situation that I find myself in today is not the circumstances and situations that I started life out in. In fact, they were drastically different. I was one of four kids. Uh, my dad worked for the state of Alabama, made about $34,000 a year, and raised four kids on that. And so to say that we had a lot of money is uh, not reality. Um, my mom had her own shop. She was a florist and had her own shop. Uh, and quickly things grew with her business. She was able to open up three more shops, three different cities. Um, and things were going well. We had a nice home. I had a nice, comfortable uh, life. And then uh, through a series of just, uh, just not smart decisions in business, my mom ultimately had to close all three of those. And uh, things were so bad that we uh, ended up as a family filing for bankruptcy. Uh, we lost our home. We lost our cars. Uh, we lost pretty much everything we had and started over with the clothes on our back. And uh, my grandfather, my, my mom's dad, had a 1,500-square-foot house that we were able to move into. Uh, one bathroom with all six of us, so you can imagine, uh, getting ready in that household. Uh, no heat, no air conditioning in South Alabama. Um, and so uh, th there were some hot, hot nights spent trying to go to sleep. Uh, we had one vehicle. It was an old uh, Isuzu pickup truck that my dad had, and all four of us would pile into the front seat of that single cab truck, and that's how we got around, had a camper on the back, and then uh, it worked until my parents decided to have another child. And then my younger brother comes along, he just screwed everything up. It was perfect, right? And kind of has a habit of doing that. Any, any younger brothers out there, right? Um, uh, so we had to figure something out, and my dad went to this junkyard and bought uh, the front seats out of an old Pontiac Firebird. Uh, got them out of the car and bolted them into the back of his pickup truck in that cab back there. And don't worry, we had seatbelts. It came with seatbelts. We were safe in uh, our redneck ingenuity right there. Um, the window would slide open in between the cab and the back where we were, and the air conditioning would somewhat flow back there to us. And so it was just enough to tease you and make you sweat a little bit but not die of heat exhaustion in the back. Um, and so that was our life. And you know, growing up, uh, I, I say that uh, and, and say about my parents, they were wonderful people and did the best they could. They made the best of the situation and circumstances they, they had. And I would say growing up, I didn't know that we were poor. I didn't know that we were without. I just thought we liked eating hot dogs a lot. Uh, we, I feel like we, hot dogs, hot dog souffle, hot dog casserole, you know, breakfast hot dog casserole. I mean, it was like everything was hot dog, right? Um, and as a teenager was when it finally started to sink in that we were broke, that we were poor, that there was something different. And it was because I would begin to want to do all the things that other people around me were doing. I'd want to uh, play the sport. I'd want to be in band. I know that sounds weird. You want to be in band, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to go on the, you know, the school trip, and it was always the same answer. No, we can't do that, Matt. No, we're broke. No, we don't have the money for that. And after hearing that for so long and listening to that mindset, because it was very much a mindset my parents had that there are just certain things we can't do because we're poor. 
There are certain things we'll never be able to do. We'll never be able to go there. We'll never be able to do that. And I began to pick up that mentality. And what I I realized through that was this, is that a spirit of poverty is forged not out of your circumstances, but out of your thoughts. A spirit of poverty is forged out of the way you think about yourself and your circumstances in your life, not the circumstances you've been given. And most of us would say, if you're poor or if you have that poverty mindset, no, it's all because of my circumstances. It's all the deck of cards that life has handed me. And what I challenge you with today is that's actually a lie of the enemy. It has all to do with your mindset because there are thousands of other people in your same exact situation that were in my situation and they see life differently. They don't live in poverty. With the same amount of money you have and the same circumstances, it's all about the way they see themselves and the way they see their life and they see their future. And so for me, I began to change the way that I thought about my future. In eighth grade, we had this opportunity to move. My uh, dad's dad gave him uh, some of the family farm and uh, we bought a double wide trailer, which I'm sure for many would look at it and go, man, I don't know that I'd live there. It was the Taj Mahal for us. It was like glorious uh, and uh, it had uh, air conditioning, which was amazing. It had this amazing uh, luxury called a dishwasher. I didn't have to wash and dry dishes by hand anymore. It was amazing until my brother put laundry soap in there and tore the thing up. And then we we're back to washing by hand because we weren't getting it fixed, right? Um, and so uh, it was this fork in the road for me because we had the opportunity with where we moved to either go to the county school or go to the city school. And the county school was about 30 people in the class. Uh, a very poor region uh, in that area, uh, definitely a poverty mindset with most people who were there, much like the school that I had grown up in. Um, and I made the choice to go to the city school. All my siblings went to the, the county school. And it was there that I was exposed to all these other people um, who thought differently, whose lives looked differently, who when I would spend the night at their house, their interaction with mom and dad was different, right? Uh, Their beliefs about their future were different. And it's what began to reinforce that realization in my life that a spirit of poverty doesn't have to do with my circumstances. It's all about the way I see myself and the way I think about myself. And I began to think that, you know what, my past doesn't have to be my future. I don't have to live what has been my past. I can create a future that's what I want it to be. And so I worked hard, uh, made good grades. I graduated high school and uh, put my nose to the grindstone. And through the grace of God and hard work, was able to come up with $20,000 a year in scholarship and enrolled at Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a private Christian school, began to work on preparing for ministry. Graduated there in uh, 2003. Got my first uh, ministry job at a church and life was going well. I had a great apartment, a nice car. Um, I was done hearing no in my life. I said no to nothing. If I wanted that shirt, I bought that shirt. If I wanted to go out to eat, I went out to eat. If I wanted to go to the beach, I went to the beach. There was nothing I said no to. And on the outside, you could look at my life and say, your life is successful. Your life is perfect. You have everything together. And on the outside, it looked that way. But on the inside, I was miserable. I was drowning in debt. I would max out one credit card and then make the minimum monthly payment on it and go open up another one to keep funding the lifestyle that I was living. I was upside down in my car. I couldn't sell it. I'd have to pay somebody $8,000 to take the thing from me. I was so upside down in debt on the car. I was living paycheck to paycheck. It was Tuesday, didn't get paid till Thursday. And I, man, I lived off ramen noodles for three days till that next paycheck came back in. And I was king of the world again with a new paycheck, right? And uh, it was just this miserable existence. I was dying on the inside. And what I realized was uh, that, you know what, the poverty mindset 
Not only is it all about your thoughts, right, and how you see your future, but a poverty mindset is fueled by poor financial decisions that compound on each other over time. It's the decision to buy this or finance that that just compounds over time and begins to create this mountain of debt in front of you that you think there's no way to escape it. There's no hope. There's no future for me. And so in 2005, I loaded everything up, moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, came on staff here at Faith Promise Church. And uh, God gave me one of the greatest gifts in my life next to salvation, and that was uh, my wife, Carmen. Uh, and I actually saw her in the interview process in the lobby here at Faith Promise Church, right out there on top of the blue cross and the tile that used to be out there. And I looked at Josh Whitehead and said, hey, you want me as your middle school pastor? She comes in the benefits package. So <laughs> I said, I don't know what you got to do, but make it happen. And God smiled and it, it worked out. So, but she's a blessing. And uh, so much of a blessing because she is so different than me. In all the areas that I'm weak, she's strong. In all the areas that she's weak, I'm strong, which leads to some great intense fellowship at home at times around certain things, right? Um, yeah, come on, somebody, somebody <laughs> fills me over there. Um, but what's so interesting is, uh, you know, as we got married, you know, I, I realized very quickly that homegirl's not living paycheck to paycheck. She doesn't, you know, she has no debt, right? She's a saver. I mean, the entire first year of our marriage was discovering all these secret investments and in accounts she had tucked away with money in places. I'm going, I've never heard of this before, right? And so we, we got married and she's just like, hey, we're not going to live this way. We're going to we're going to change the, the, the things that we do. We're going to make choices that are going to help us walk out of bondage to debt. And so we made a commitment. You know what? We can live off my income. She was like, I have no debt. I'm not bringing anything to the marriage. I'm moving in your house, right? All I've got is, uh, you know, my salary. And we're like, good. We can just stock that away. And so we started having what we called uh, Friday uh, weekly meetings. And she'd get off work, we'd come home, we'd eat dinner, and we'd lay everything out. We saved this much this week, here are our bills for this week. You know, and we'd lay out the budget, and we'd say, here's where we're weak, here's where we need to adjust. And we spent the next three years buckling down and making hard sacrifices in our life. While friends were moving into nicer homes and, buy, and driving super nice cars that were financed, we were saying no. We're going to keep driving your old Maxima with 250,000 miles on it, right? And, you know, we're, we're going to live in this house so that we can save money. And over those three years, we paid off all of our debt. We paid for my car. We were able to pay off uh, her student loans that she had. We were able to uh, save up enough money to pay cash for her a new car that she needed. And we were able to put six months salary back in the bank for an emergency day rainy fund. And actually today, uh, just last year, we were able to pay cash for her second car that we needed to replace her last one. And God brought us out of that. And what we discovered was this. Smart financial decisions also compound on top of each other to help you break the spirit of poverty that's on your life. And it's about sacrificing and making the hard decisions and hard choices. And so for us, as we looked at our future, we said, we want financial freedom. Why? Because I wanted my wife to be able to stay at home and work full time to implant and plant the gospel in our daughter's heart, heart. Because that is the greatest thing that I can do with my life is to see the gospel grow to fruition in her heart and her love Jesus. It doesn't matter anything else that I have if my daughter doesn't love Jesus. And so I'd rather my wife work full time doing that than to work full-time to pay a car note or to make a mortgage payment. And so we'll continue to make smart financial decisions in our life 
so that we can do that, so that we don't ever walk back in to bondage and, and, and to, into financial captivity to debt. And so I would say to you, if you're out there uh, this weekend and you're, you're, you're bound by a spirit of poverty, here's what I'd say to you. There's hope. In the name of Jesus, you can break the spirit of poverty that's on your life. Your past does not have to become your future. You don't have to continue to walk in that. And what I would love to say is there's this quick thing that you can do, this simple one thing you can do, but it doesn't work that way. For me, it was coming to the realization that it was all about the way I thought about myself and my circumstances and my future. And that's what was holding me in, in, in that spirit of poverty and changing my mindset and the way that I see my future. But not only that, choosing to change the choices that I was making in my life and start making smart financial decisions that would compound on each other over time for the long haul, making the sacrifices, the hard choices, the hard decisions right now to sacrifice the things that I think I want in this moment for what I know I truly want in the long term. And that is what has caused us to step out of a spirit of poverty and to walk into financial freedom. And I can say from this side, looking back, it's so much better to walk in financial freedom than to live bound by the chains of debt and a spirit of poverty. And I pray that for you, that you'd be able, if that's you, that you'd be able to step out and walk in the financial freedom that God wants you to walk in. Amen. Give him out a hand. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Pastor. Now, if you think you can't, you can, because you watch Matt walk right through it. Took a few years making hard decisions, but I know when both of my boys got married, they did exactly, they learned. Actually, Matt helped Zach, Pastor Zach, build his first budget. When they got married, they didn't use their wives' incomes. They lived on their income. You know, they're just smart things you can do. And so we're going to walk through those, because, again, your past doesn't have to be a prison. It can be a launching pad to a better future. Now, a spirit of poverty does not mean you live below the poverty line. You can have money and still have a spirit of poverty. Matt was middle class and with a spirit of poverty. A spirit of poverty that which rules your hearts and your minds in, in respect to money and your future and will put you in bondage. Now, we live in the poorest region in America. Most people don't realize it. Most people don't recognize it. I did not until a couple years ago, one of our elders Literally, I, I meet with other pastors of large churches, and I would say, hey, tell me what you think we should do. And, well, when we were running 6,000, this is what we did, or we were running 5,000, and, and they would say, you ought to try this. And I would, I would say, always say this, but there's no way. We can't afford that. And they would say, well, what's your budget? Well, you know, our budget's $7 million. They'd say, and you run 6,000? Because we run 6,000, and our budget is $21 million. And I just never could figure that out. Why is that? We have committed people. We have generous people. Amen? Why is that? And then one of our elders, who was chief of staff at UT Medical, Keith Gray, said, Pastor, we're in the poorest region in America. I said, that's crazy. I was in southwest Louisiana. That's the poorest region. No, 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 no. The Appalachian region from right here, you've heard people walk the Appalachian Trail, 1,500 miles. That's the poorest region, the swath. Matter of fact, you remember Deliverance? If you're under 30, you don't know that, don't watch the movie, okay? Trust me, don't watch it. You know, those of us that did, it's etched in our brain, and so don't watch. But, but that deliverance is the Appalachian Trail. It's the Appalachian region, and it is the poorest region in America. The highest unemployment rate in America, the income in the Appalachian region is 80% of that outside of it. 
If you're a business owner, you make 73% of what other business owners make in the same business. Our Campbell County campus, that's actually a little deeper into the actually the spot that's the worst, the average household income in Campbell County is less than half of that of Knox County. And Knox County is only 80% of that of the rest of America. So we live in a region that we don't even realize has affected us and infected us. It's instilled in us and injected in many of us a spirit of poverty. It comes by your family. Well, my papa, you know, he, got, he lost everything in depression. And my great-grandpa, my papa, my daddy's poor, and I'll always be. We never had anything. We'll never. See, it's, it's, it's through family. Also through the region. 50% of people who live in the Appalachian region smoke cigarettes. 50%. It's, it's by your experience. Well, the, you know, we lost everything. We'll never have anything. We, you know, we did this, we did that. But let me, let me give you something. And Matt so eloquently covered it. You are already an overcomer. Jesus, Jesus didn't say you're going to be an overcomer. He said you are an overcomer. And we've got to realize that. So the Bible says you are an overcomer. My question for you this weekend is this. Will you? Without faith, it's impossible. Please, God, will you be an overcomer? You've got to see the spirit of poverty to seize the spirit of poverty and slay the spirit of poverty in your family. Did Jesus come to set the captives free? Did he come to set the captives free? That's every part of your life. He didn't die on the cross so your name could be written in heaven and you could just exist. He he came to save you and in every area of your life, financially, in your marriage, if you're married, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, in every way that you would be set free in every part of your life. Does this make sense? Jesus, one of my favorite all-time verses is John 10.10. And in John 10, 10, Jesus makes a, a declaration. The thief comes to do three things. The thief is who? Devil. He comes to do three things. That's what he does. And let me tell you, listen, he does it through a spirit of poverty. Destroys future, destroys people. But Jesus said, I came that they might have and have it. Abundantly means more or to exceed or to exceed a number. Jesus said, I came that you would excel, that you would exceed, that you would have an abundant life. So now again, this weekend we're going to expose it. So if you don't come back next weekend, you'll be depressed the rest of your life. So you got to, we're going to expose it this weekend, and then we're going to talk about how to walk and be blessed. Well, next weekend, so I'm sitting down with my legal pad saying, okay, Lord, I've never heard anybody preach on this, so give me some wisdom to communicate because it's the will of God for faith promise to be financially free. Matter of fact, my prayer is this. See, 25% of us tithe and 75% don't tithe. Now, is it because 75% of us don't believe that tithing is biblical? No. It's because the first way the spirit of poverty manifests itself, and that is by what? Fear. You ever heard anybody at your house, or you know anybody ever say anything like this? We'll never have enough. We'll never get ahead. We'll never get out of debt. We'll never make any more money. We'll always be broke. There's really no hope for the future, and for heaven's sake, we could never give to God through his church. You ever heard any, has y'all ever heard anything like that in your house? Excuse me? That's a spirit of poverty. 
manifesting itself by fear, and fear overcomes your faith, and without faith it's impossible to please God. Without faith it ties the hands of God, and you end up yourself blocking the blessings of God that God wants to give. So let me ask you a question. God, as Zach covered this last weekend, God sends Moses to Egypt to get his people, bring them out. Remember that? And when he said, when you bring him out, bring him to this mountain, worship, and then take him into the promised land. So let me ask you a question. Was it the revealed will of God in his word that that generation go to the promised land? Was it? Did they go? Oh, why? Because they had a spirit of poverty and fear, a spirit of slavery, a wilderness mentality. Because, again, spirit of poverty is not about money. Do you know that of the lower, middle, and higher income people, the lower income people give a greater percentage of their money to the kingdom of God than do wealthy people? You can be wealthy and have a spirit of poverty. But what poverty does is poverty blocks the blessings of God. A spirit of poverty hinders the hand of God because the spirit of poverty is dominated by fear. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Does this make sense? Are y'all with me? So now we let our fear. Those people didn't enter the promised land because they were afraid to. Those people over there will get us. They'll eat us. We're grasshoppers. They're giants. That's the spirit of poverty. No faith and fear. Does that make sense? Number two, spirit of poverty creates a scarcity mindset in you. There's not enough to go around. I don't know what we'll do. And there's no way because there's not enough. If you listen to our media day, especially all the political crap that's going on, are you with me? There's not enough. They're trying to create fear in you so you'll vote for them. They, they can see, and let me tell you, when you have a scarcity mindset, it makes you selfish because you got to get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can because there's not enough to go around. Does that make sense? Listen, our God can create a whole other universe if he wanted to. Our God is not limited. God can give you, God can bless you, but he cannot bless you if you have a spirit of poverty and you hinder his hand because you're afraid, because you have a scarcity, because you're not generous, because you don't give. Matter of fact, the Bible says, will a man rob God? Have we robbed God? In not giving your tithes and offerings, you rob God. How does God bless a thief? How does God bless a robber? He doesn't. And that fear, are y'all, does this make sense? Are y'all with me? Come on, listen, I'm praying we flip it. 25% tithe and 75% don't. I'm praying we flip it. 75% tithe and 25% doesn't. I'm just, I really am. Because listen, can I tell you, the most blessed people in this church are the tithers. Listen, those people that said amen are tithers. Because people are not going to lie, amen. The Ananias got struck by, you know, right there at the altar. (laughs) So here's the deal. Let me give you another. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to like this. Get ready. There's going to be an audible sigh in the room. Are you ready? Let me give you third manifestation of the spirit of poverty. Did you hear that? I knew it. Every service. Every service. Because let me tell you, let me tell you, listen. If you're listening, say I am. See, you got a mountain of debt, you got a spirit of poverty, there's no hope for the future. Why should I work five days a week? Because it doesn't matter anyway. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to get ahead. I'll never have any money. We'll never get out of debt. There's no hope for our future. Is anybody listening? And so why do I need to go to work every day? I'm going to stay home and watch my stories. 
how does he know? <laughs> I was talking to a young lady in our congregation, and she works in an industry. And if there's a certain amount of, a certain amount of people that don't come to, uh, to come to the office that day, then, then a certain amount of people don't have to work. And the people that graft the most, that they're the brokest, have the most school debt, are always the one to sign to get out of work. You say, would you get back to the Bible? Come on, this is, this is where we live. I know it's where we live. So there's no reason for me to work 40 hours a week. Why should I knock myself out? I don't need to do that. It doesn't matter anyway. That's the spirit of poverty, gang. Because you don't get promoted when you lay out a day a week. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. And matter of fact, a lot of, listen, a lot of y'all guys hate your job. Probably over half our church hates their job. First off, there's people who love to have it. Love to have it. Matter of fact, we got some people here that will take it from you if you'll give it. But here's the deal. Let me tell you why you hate your job. Because you don't look at your job correctly. See, your job, first off, is not how you provide for your family. Your job, first off, is your mission field. God said, you're the light of the world. Seed set on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the salt of the earth. That the salt's lost its flavor, how will it ever be used for anything ever again? So God put you where you work that you hate for you to be a witness, and you go to work every day, and you hate it. You walk around like you've been baptized in bad vinegar, like you've been sucking, you know, been sucking persimmons. Listen, if that's your attitude at work, don't tell anybody you go to Faith Promise Church. Because why would they want to come to your church? Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell them that. Listen, you go to work like a victorious soul winner. You go to work every day looking for an opportunity to share the love of God. You go to work every day with a great attitude. You go to work five, six days a week. And then when you get to work, you work your butt off and you have a great attitude. And before long, all those people that are bad-mouthing you, you'll be their boss. Come on. Come on. I had a guy stop me after the last service and said, listen, I don't have a spirit of poverty, but I got a spirit of mediocrity. Could you preach a series on that? <laughs> Man, don't go to work mediocre. You be the best employee at the place. Why? Because you're a Christ follower. Listen, my last secular job in the construction industry, I was a millwright, so I was, I was installing robots that were building the Nissan truck plant that were over in Spring Hill. So I'm over there working, and man, I get that job, and I'm, I'm fired up. Now I'm born again, man. All the other construction jobs, I was lost. I got Jesus saves them a hard hat, John 10, 10 on the front, and I get put in a crew, and man, I start witnessing. And I witness everybody in my crew, and they move me to another crew. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I witnessed all those guys. They moved me to another crew. I said, God put me all over this job. And I tell you one of the ways I witness, I just go to work and smell the guys. Because I could smell the alcoholics. And I walk up and put my arm around and say, drank vodka last night, didn't you? How do you know? God told me. <laughs> They're wide open, baby. God said for you to stop it and be born again. <laughs> ah! Are you with me? Because <laughs> the deal is, that dude didn't know he stunk like vodka. I'd walk up, put him around and go, J.D., huh, last night. Had a whole bottle of Jack Daniels. How'd you know, Pastor? How'd you know? Because God sent me here to tell you <laughs> that he loves you. Put it down. I love it. Amen. You, you, you know what? You can enjoy your job. 
I'd go to the, you know, the Port of Johns or the construction job. I'd go read the wall and I'd write verses. I know I'd defame, but I'd write verses on there. I'd come back the next day. There'd be questions. Well, what does this mean? I just put the gospel on them. You heard of the poop house poet? I was a poop house gospel guy. I said, Come on, you'd enjoy your job if you, does this make sense? Come on, get rid of that spirit of poverty and joy. Get rid of laziness. Man, listen, you've got a great future. You're going to work. Does that make sense? You're going to do like Pastor Matt talking about. Let me give you some verses on work. There are hundreds. He who is slack in his work is a brother to him who does what? Let me give you another one. The desire of the sluggard or the lazy person puts him to what? For his hands refuse to do what? This is what God said to those that work. Psalms 20, the favor of the Lord God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, God, confirm the work of our hands. Do you know the first thing God did for Adam was not give him me, but give him a job? I love a job. I love my job. I, listen, I love my job. And so you ought to enjoy it. Ask God to give you the joy of the Lord and then go to work and be a bright light. The people are going to walk up and say, man, what got into you? Jesus. What are you so happy for, Jesus? Well, you've been a sad sack the whole time you've been, and I know I had a bad attitude. Could, could, I, could you forgive me for that? Because I've just made a choice to follow Jesus. He, was, he didn't walk around whining and complaining. I'm a Christ follower. See, again, those Israelites had a wilderness mentality. There was generation after generation after generation of slavery. And so when they get to the promised land and freedom, they were dominated by fear and a slavery mindset, not faith. Does this make sense? Is anybody with me? So, well, there's abundance for others, but not for me. So let me show you, and I am so far behind let me, on time. Let me show you. Uh, you say, well, that's Old Testament. Okay, good, it is. I love it when people don't like the topic, they say it's Old Testament. They say, well, tithing is Old Testament. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, you should tithe. Isn't that that from Malachi? Isn't that red letters? So let me show you Jesus' teaching and pointing out in Matthew 25. Now, just for time's sake, this is the three guys, they all get a talent. And a talent's not being able to preach or sing. A talent is a bag of money. A talent is an amount, like saying, I'm going to give you a grand. I'm giving you $1,000. I'm giving one guy five bags of gold, another two bags, and each one, one, each according to their ability. And the owner went on a long journey, comes back years later. The one who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. This is how I know that this guy had a spirit of poverty. The master comes back, tells the guys who doubled, their, who doubled the bags of gold, way to go, way to go, way to go. The one who also had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. I was what? Afraid. A fear is a, is a mark of the spirit of poverty. I was afraid. So I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master answered and said to him, You what? If you have a spirit of poverty, it's not going to be good at the bema seated judgment for you. So let's pull that sucker down. You wicked, lazy slave. You knew I reaped where I did not sow, and I gathered, and I gathered where I scattered no seed. You should have put my money in the bank, and my arrival, I'd have had my money back with interest. Therefore, take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten. 
For everyone who has, more shall be given, and the one who has will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Throw the worthless slave, lazy, a fearful, wicked slave, into the place of outer darkness, where there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, so listen, if you've got a spirit of poverty, let me tell you what it does. If you're listening, I am. It will cause you to lose what you have and be given as someone with an abundance mindset. Now listen, Bernie Sanders hates this. <laughs> he hates this. I'm making no vague judgment about it because nobody knows who's going to. We'll talk about the election when he gets closer. We'll talk about how to, how to vote with biblical values. We'll talk about that later. See, our, our, our culture's got to be fair. Listen, God is just and holy. He's never fair. Are you with me? He said, take the bag of gold away from the one who has one and give it to the one that has ten. And we say, but that's not fair. He's got more than me. Lazy, scarcity, fearful, you lose what you have to somebody that, that has more. I don't want anybody to get mine. Are you all with me? And so I want to have an abundance mindset. Our God is limitless. You started this message by saying, God can bless my life. Do you all believe that? The creator, man, he can, listen, he can create another universe. He can do whatever. This is a process, though, not an event. It, this weekend is, but again, some changing in your life. Next weekend, we're going to take you to a whole other level. So let me ask you a question. Who wants financial freedom? You say, I want, man. Who wants financial freedom? Come on. Right now, God, we come to you with lightning rods raised high. We ask you that you would release the resources of heaven. We ask you to rebuke in us a spirit of fear. We ask you to tear down a spirit of poverty. God, we ask you to remove a, a spirit of laziness. God, a spirit of poverty is an unclean, foul spirit. We ask you to remove it and release us from it. We ask you to give us a holy desire. God, we believe that you can, and by faith, we believe that you are. And God, we're going to work, and we're going to believe for, for an abundance. And God, we're going to be givers, and we're going to be generous. You're going to flip this church around. And God, we are going to see works like we never dreamed. And people are going to come to this church, God, because they're going to watch us be blessed, and they're going to want to be blessed by the same God that blesses us. So release your blessings, rebuke a spirit of poverty. We believe it and we receive it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. And all God's people who want it said, come on, amen. Give him some praise in the house. Woo. Woo. Now, listen, God blesses his kids. If you're not born again, you're not his kid. So if you want to be one of God's kids, you've got to be born again. Except you be born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you're ready to turn from your old life to a new life, if you're ready to turn from your sins to turn from the Savior, if you're ready to make Jesus Lord, he's, heaven's open for business. So if you're ready with every head bowed, every eye closed at every campus right now, I want you to pray with us. We're going to pray out loud with you this confessional prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. I've got a debt. I could never pay. Jesus, you paid it. I receive forgiveness. I receive salvation. I confess you as my Lord and my boss. I rebuke fear and I receive faith. I will follow you the rest of my days in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Somebody give him some praise in the house. Woo! My mercy. Now, let me tell you something. Guess what? 
I just preached on money for 35 minutes and you're happy. That's never happened. Way to go, church. Way to go, faith promise. Whoa, we're maturing. Do not listen. If you miss next week, you will be depressed the rest of your life. So you got to be here. So listen, I just love church. I love y'all. So listen, if you, if you gave you our Jesus, take, fill the communication card out or go to the next steps area. We've got our small group leadership training coming. Put the, you can put the communication card, the offering boxes, because we're going to go ahead and start flipping that 75% around. It's going to begin tithing, amen, because we're the ones who want to be blessable. And so if you want, man, tithes and offerings, all that, you give them to the Lord. Listen, this week, walk in victory. Walk in faith and not fear in Jesus' name. See you guys next weekend. We love you. Be blessed. <laughs>